Welcome everybody to episode 2 of the Young Adult Podcast by Grace Church. I'm your host, Marcus Wong, and for the very first time, I have joining me my default guest host, Ken Hart. Alright Ken, because this is probably the first episode where our listeners will be getting to meet you, I'm going to shoot you some quick fire questions and hopefully these reveal the very core of your soul. All right, question one, fried dumplings or steamed dumplings and why? Fried if it's the one where all the dumplings stick together in the bottom Ah, yes. sesame oil in a Korean style uh, because it's the most delicious and only for one special occasion, your salmon bar has to be steamed. <laughs> and for Melbourneian listeners, where is your take on best dumplings to get in Melbourne? <laughs> Man, I can explain the Bible much easier than to think of this question. I'd say Shanghai Street still in Latrobe Street because they oh, do yeah. the wontons with peanut butter sauce. Really? And I've never had that anywhere else, and that's pretty legit. And aside from that, I think most dirty dump joints are fine for me. <laughs> Alright, your next question is. What is the item on the Macca's menu that you have had the most? McChicken. Uh, and actually, this is, this is a true story. Uh, growing up, McChickens were $2, I think. And I'd always eat McChickens to the point that in high school, I had a nightmare that a McChicken tried to kill me because I ate too much of his family. <laughs> And I boycotted eating my chickens for a month. You received chicken retribution. That's correct. <laughs> All right, final question. What is your guiltiest music pleasure? Oh. I don't feel guilty, I guess, <laughs> when I listen to music. It's a free expression. So whether it's from Taylor Swift to Hillsong, I think... If anyone judged me for what I listen to, they can go listen to something else. <laughs> ah, we have an unrepentant music listener. <laughs> Perfect. Hopefully our listeners now get a better understanding of who you are. Uh, I too am a fried dumpling man, so we can continue these podcasts going forward. Now, a lot of you guys will be listening to this particular episode on the drive back to church, probably on the Sunday morning. Uh, we've just finished road trip for most of the listeners. So this is going to be a good way for us to revisit um, this weekend's teaching. But also, if you're listening to this without having spent time with us on the road trip, this would be a great episode for you to listen to for a summary of the teaching on the weekend where our focus was on the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, um, this summary of the road trip Ken and I thought it would be best explained if we were able to take our listeners through what's more like a typical journey on the timeline of a Christian's life. So we're going to talk through it in five stages. So the stage one that I'll talk through is humanity and the problem. So we all start off at this stage, literally every single person. And this is the natural state that we're all born into when we come into this world. We're born into the world with a sinful nature and are slaves to sin. Something that we would have learned on the road trip was that we have sin or we struggle with sin in three ways, in our actions, our attitudes, and our nature. 
The key verse that we walked through was Romans chapter 7, uh, in particular 14 and 15. It tells us that we know that the law is spiritual. But Paul writes, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And we really identify with that. There's often so many times where there are things in our lives that we know are right and we fail to do. And there are things in our life that we know are just horrible for us, bad for our future, short-term gains, but long-term losses. And yet we still go on and do that. We also learn that the real battle with sin is not just you know, in our actions and in our hands, but it's actually a war that is being fought within our minds. We had a helpful analogy of the different types of battles that our minds have with sin. So there's the 0% battle where there's the lie that sin just simply doesn't exist in our life. There's the 50% battle where it's not a real or a serious enough sin um, to be de- to be dealt with. Then there's the 100% sin lie where you're just you know that you're fully sinful but you're just indifferent. Um, or you've just resigned to your sinful nature. And then finally, there's the 150% lie, where it's more you feel like you are too sinful to be saved, where you're past the point of no return. Now, these are all lies, but these are different types of way that sin wages war on our minds. And I think finally, when it comes to why sin is actually so damaging, you know, what's at stake, we learn a few things. Number one, Sin affects our legal standing before God. So we're actually just guilty because of sin. Sin can also damage our relationship and our fellowship with God. Uh, We also talked about the dangers of unconverted evangelicals. And that's basically people that know what it's like to look like a Christian, but deep within our hearts, we've had no change deep within us. And I think the fourth and maybe the most important is that ultimately sin, it leads to death, eternal separation from God. So Ken, uh, a quick question for you on this particular topic. Why do you think today sin might not be talked about as much in churches these days? And what's the danger of that? I think, Marcus, my biggest concern is how churches actually end up talking about sin. They use the word often. Uh, I might say Jesus died for our sins and that we have sinned. But they don't really talk about humans being sinful. And, and the danger of that is that we start talking about sins as if they're the bad activities we do. And they talk about how bad the sins are, but in reality, we're the problem. So for churches, it's easy to say that particular actions are bad, and I think the congregation will agree. But it's much harder to say you're a bad person. And when you avoid talking about how evil humanity actually is, the result becomes that people are learning that they've done some sins. And so their natural response must be, well, I can just avoid them. I'll I'll be a good Mm. boy or a good girl. And that's what it'll take for me to be saved. But it just doesn't work that way. And people begin to think salvation is attainable by works. But no, you're dead in your sins. And, and so being saved from your sins is not just believing in Jesus, but it's going all in and fixing your whole hope on being saved to him and what he's done. And, and that leads us to our second stage, which is Jesus 
came to save. And before you and I even have the chance to follow Jesus, Jesus has already come to finish the work of salvation. He came, he lived, he died, he resurrected approximately 2,000 years ago. Uh, Scholars will say it's about 33 AD. And both his death and his resurrection are necessary. However, we can't miss the centrality of Jesus' life to the Bible and to the world. It achieves a lot more than just paying for sins. Otherwise, why didn't Jesus just come to the world, quickly die, and then rise away? Well, the Bible talks to God's will as a mystery, and you'll you'll hear this in Matthew 13 or Ephesians 1, and, and quite all through the New Testament. But it's a mystery that's revealed when you know the identity of Jesus. God's plan and the truth of our world becomes clear. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is our LASIK. He's our uh, contact lenses. He's the correction to our vision to view the world. Mm. Very few people have their lives documented in detail back then, and yet we find four gospel accounts that talk about Jesus' life. These documents are replicated thousands of times and passed on for over two millennium till now because Jesus brings clarity to every audience. It's a word that everyone needs to hear. To the Jews in the Gospel of Matthew, we see that Jesus is the fulfillment of God's word in the Old Testament. In most of the New Testament, you'll find that the apostles will talk about Jesus' life, matching the prophecies and promises. And these are the most quoted parts over the words of Jesus himself. Hmm. Because Matthew, especially as a Jewish author, wants to show this to the Jews. God's promises in the Old Testament came true And all scripture points to Christ to save and to be what humanity truly needs. And God being faithful to those promises in scripture is a reminder for us of what we can look forward to now because his promises to return will come true again. Mm. And in Mark, John and Luke, the other more Gentile audience gospels, we see that Jesus is the solution to the brokenness of the world. Luke accounts many healings and the growth of the early church to show the reborn lives that people find in Jesus. We see in Jesus there's justice found for the weak and those who are outcast, they're lifted high. And Jesus talks against the esteemed leaders of the time. Why? Because those esteemed leaders are truly blind. We see Jesus being compassionate to women who back in those times were often neglected. And we see Jesus restore all human needs through his identity. He is the bread of life. He is the living water. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But what about now, Marcus? What do you reckon the life of Jesus helps us to see clearly in the world today? Mm. Yeah, I like what you said about how he he actually gave dignity to the weak and the outcasts, um, including women in this time. And what back then was pretty countercultural, I guess, over time, because he is such an influential figure in history, We've taken those views almost for granted, at least in a Western society. But I think Jesus still gives us um, certain teachings that are very counter-cultural today still. Um, For me, very importantly, the way he helps me see clearly in the world today, he gives me firstly like a view, uh, a grid to be able to view the world through. Um, And it's mainly through those two commands or those two ethics, right? It's do I really love God with every fiber of my being? And do I love 
the people that I that are all around me in the same way that Jesus has loved me. Um, and he gives us the blueprint for how to live our lives. With Ultimately, he showed it through death. But I think his command and his challenge for us is really to show it through our life. Uh, another way that he helps me to see clearly in the world today, though, is not just how to live my life, but it, his life and his death and his resurrection, it actually forces a reaction from me. And this is where I think it becomes a little bit more, either you call it countercultural or controversial today. It's that I can't just pick and choose Jesus' lifestyle tips. I actually have to submit to him as my Lord and as the savior of my soul. And that means I take all of his commands seriously, like preaching the gospel, leaving my life of sin, and figuring out what it means to feed his sheep or to feed his lambs if I truly love Jesus. Another thing that he helps me to see is that his gospel in this world is actually exclusive and unfair. But to me, it's both in a good way. You see, it's an exclusive offer of salvation because it is literally only found in him. And that's very offensive to a lot of people because it is so exclusive an offer. And it's also unfair because it's not based on fairness. No one gets to God based on their own earned merit. And yet the beauty of the gospel is that this offer is, whilst exclusive to Jesus, it is available to everyone. And no one is excluded from that offer. Yeah, that's a great perspective, Marcus. And actually, it's probably something I want to ask as to how you get to that position personally. And you see all this later. But let, let me first explain stage three. So stage three is, well, stage one has been sin. And stage two, Jesus has come to save. So stage three is our present day decision. What, what can you and I knowing this do about it well there's really only two options for us it's live or die Hmm. from our passage romans 8 verse 13 it says if you live according to the flesh you will die but if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds on the of the body you will live our god has made a radical sacrifice to humble himself to become a man get humiliated by them restrain himself from his omnipotence He tears himself apart from his own triune nature as Jesus screams, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm. And it's so that we can have a choice, but radical answers are expected in return. Mm. Today, you get to choose if you live your life entirely, does it belong to Christ or are you your own God? That is, are your desires, your goals, even your body, Are you committing all of that to Jesus? Because it can't be 50-50. It can't be Christ and myself. Because Paul says, if you cling to the flesh, you will die. So Jesus warns this in his great warning to his disciples, yet alone the Pharisees. He says, not everybody who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because their life will have reflected that he wasn't so. Jesus says, it's my brother or my family. Well, they're the ones who actually do the will of my Father in heaven. So it's not whether you're born and your blood related to Jesus. It's more whoever abides by what God the Father says. Well, you're Jesus' brother. 
you're part of God's family. And as we spoke about it earlier as well, God's will is all about following and exalting Jesus. And it comes at a great cost. We'll lose our life now, but we'll lose it for an eternal one to come. So coming back to that question as well, Marcus, you presented this choice in your life. What makes you choose Jesus? Hmm. I guess for me, that's a, that's a big question that forces me to go back to, to the choice. Um, because I guess the choice was made at a particular point in time. But over time, I think that decision is reinforced or became recommitted to. Um, a few things. So one was probably a, a mix of evidence and historical accounts um, and just taking the time to do my own personal study and research into the actual historical documents and the account of this man called Jesus. Um, I tend to be more of a logical person, um, less swayed by emotion or what some might call blind faith. So to me, that part was very important that I do my own bit of homework. But I don't think anyone can really study their way into the kingdom of God. Um, So there also came a personal choice. And from a personal standpoint, honestly, the simple truth is today I've yet to receive any other offer that is on such a personal level as the offer that is offered by Jesus Christ. No other offer affects my very being to the core. Everything else that I have as options in today's world seems to be more about me, my life, my lifestyle options. But with Jesus, if I really look into the words and what he says, it's about finding true and meaningful and abundant life that he talks about. But it's not just my life. It's also understanding where I fit in the bigger scheme of things. And this is actually a really relevant question to move into stage four, which is how we want to live our lives moving forward. Because whilst people might make decisions at a point in time to believe in Jesus, um, we actually talked at the road trip about it's not just a once-off decision, but as a continual process about choosing to live life in a certain way um, and ultimately in a way that becomes more like Jesus. So this was really the third session at our road trip and we split that into two halves where I took the first and you took the second part. But in the first part, I talked about our minds being governed by one of two things. And when I say I talked, it's really I talked about Romans, which talked about that, Romans 8. It gets governed by one of two things, either by our flesh or by God's spirit. And we learn in that session that God has given us his spirit to help us to please him and to live according to his spirit. And what's really important was that we also learned the flip side of that, which is without God's spirit, We are unable to, and it is impossible to please God. So it's like God gives us the tools that we need to get the job done. Um, This is important because it is only by God's spirit we find true life. But it doesn't just end there. It's not just receive the gift of the spirit. But Paul went on in Romans 8, and listeners might remember 
this whole choice and obligation that we talked about. We have to choose to live that life according to God's spirit and to kill what Romans describes as the misdeeds of the flesh, which is basically the way of life that leads away from God. Because God's continuing to do his work in sanctifying us until death. And sanctifying, for listeners, that's just a really complex word. It sounds complex, but in everyday speech, it's just about God is not done in transforming us every day to become more like his son, Jesus. So moving forward, I think it's so important. We need to understand that following Jesus Christ is not just believing in him, but it also means to daily grow into his likeness. And that's where this whole concept of obligation and choice come in to kill the misdeeds of the flesh. And one thing that we we crafted a statement in that session, when it comes to killing off sin in my life, remember, in God I trust that I can and I must. And we can because he gives us his spirit, but we must because we have an obligation owed to God because he gives us his spirit. But I want to ask you, Ken, more on a personal basis, when did this whole sanctifying work or, you know, in everyday speech, the daily transformation to grow more like Jesus become real in your life? Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting because I was baptized in 2008, so I was 12. And I don't think I didn't believe in Jesus then, but somehow, despite being baptized, not much changed in my life and it's only until now that I've figured out what has been the biggest driver of change in my life and what was truly missing in my high school years so so when after graduating and in, in 2014 I wanted to consider faith seriously and to really think about well is this true and worth living for so my set goal that I embarked on was to read the entire bible in a year hmm. And as I found out more about God, well, I began to see things a little bit clearer than I did from my Sunday school knowledge, which was Jesus died for you. Jesus is a pretty good guy. God loves you. And so I got to know a God who is painted in the Bible, who actually reveals who he truly is like above the God that I just thought he was or the God that I wanted him to be for me. So as I read the Bible, God's Spirit would reveal more of Himself as Father, as as Son as well to me. And my own misconceptions and assumptions that I had about God, they were slowly getting pushed out. I was mind blown when I even figured out that it wasn't about three wise men. The Bible never says that. (laughs) Yeah. And so all these misconceptions were getting pushed out. And what was coming in was I saw the might, the wisdom, the wrath, the mercy, and the love of God. And I had no choice but to change. Because in through reading God's word, I had come to know the true and living God. And he wasn't going to change. So I had to. Hmm. Uh, I consequently read the Bible a few more times. And that's when the transformation started to become daily as I tackled this every day. Because each day, I want to choose to know God and hear him speak. And each day, his word points me to Jesus as the Lord of my life. 
Uh, but the joy actually is in how this continues. And I still embrace and love the, the same amount of excitement as I learn something new about God. Uh, and to the mass people out there, I think growing in faith shouldn't be a logarithmic kind of pathway. That is to say, it shouldn't be, wow, I've just come to know God and you're flying through the gates. But as the years go by, you, you slowly stop moving. You slowly start learning less and you stop being so joyful because there's so much to know. And so knowing God really and making the effort to do so day by day as a Christian, I find myself year by year just growing deeply in what I know, uh, growing in my conviction of who God is, and growing in my passion to live my life for Him. Uh, and, and that's how we get to stage five, hmm. which is really, well, how do we want to end up? What's, what's waiting for us at the end of the day? Well, the Bible says in John five twenty four, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. So not will have, but has right now. Mm. He has crossed over from death to life. So eternal life doesn't really start after you've kicked the bucket and gone out with a bang. Mm. But it starts right now. The Bible says eternal life is all about knowing God. And we get to have this privilege from the get-go, the moment we choose Jesus. Jesus prays it, and he explains this in, in John 17. He says, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What this means is that if you're hoping for heaven, you don't have to wait. You can experience eternal life now. And how? By knowing mm. God. Well, wow. As we begin to know God now, we are beginning our eternal life already. Death is not a death. It's just a transition to a new setting. And so my encouragement is to get to know God daily by being rooted in studying scripture and have a growing knowledge and application of it every day. And you might say, oh, but Kenneth, I'm not really the studying type. I don't quite like reading. Well, it's a matter of eternal life and eternal death. So it doesn't matter whether you are the studying type. If you don't enjoy getting to know God now, you'll find it difficult to enjoy spending eternity knowing Him. And I know that reading can be a drag, but it's actually incredibly uplifting to discover God in the Bible. So based on my story too, honestly, I, I encourage you to complete one of those Bible in a year plans too. Hmm. I think you'll fall in love with God's Word. Knowing God, joy and growth, it's all synonymous. You can't not experience this when you read the whole Bible together. And, and I guarantee that. So if our eternal life knowing God starts now, though, um, Marcus, I'd love for you to explore as to, well, what good things are there in the future for us to look forward to? Mm. Um, and I guess with eternity in mind, we really, and I love what you said about it, eternity essentially starts today. So the first good thing I can think of is the hope that I hold is the thing that I look forward to, um, to see it being, you know, either coming to pass or coming to fruition. Scripture is pretty clear that every day has enough worries of its own. So I try not to get too worried or anxious about the future. But it also tells us that in Christ, 
we have an eternal hope. And not just an eternal hope in the eyes of, you know, forever and eternity and heaven um, and, you know, leaving this broken world, but it's actually a, a hope uh, or an eternal hope that starts today. Um, and it's a hope that we get to offer to those who don't have that hope yet. Um, so what I really look forward to, the good things that I get to look forward to is seeing that eternal hope being shared with people um, and seeing people find new life and find their hope in Jesus. Uh, I get to look forward also to seeing and being a part of all of this, um, a part of God transforming people, using someone simple like me. One of the things that I love doing the most is I like to think back. I like to do flashbacks in my mind where I reflect on where I used to be in my faith. Um, and I'll reflect on where some of my friends were as well. We're talking high school era or uni phase. And to think about where they are today or where I am today. Uh, and to really see that with the hindsight or the lens of hindsight, that God continues to use us and he basically will put a very broken set of people back together. That's what I see when I look back in my friend's life. But <clears throat> on the flip side, that's something I get to look forward to um, when I find new people in my life or when I meet new people. Um, that's something I get really passionate about, to see and look forward to what God is about to do through them. But I think ultimately the best thing to look forward to um, the ultimate prize really is God himself. I think we're sort of, we'd be misled or we're mis or be misguided if we think that this whole life or the whole gospel is really about us and really about us, you know, getting out of the death cycle. Um, but the true prize, uh, the thing that should give our soul, soul satisfaction is God. And I'm only beginning, I'm not even going to pretend like I understand the, the, the gravity of a statement like that. I'm only beginning to scratch the surface on what it truly means for me to truly be satisfied by God and by God alone. But I think if that's the prize, if we keep our eyes on the prize, that God himself is our treasure, I don't think we can really go wrong. Um, I think that's the best goal and the best thing to be looking forward to. Okay. So that's really a summary uh, of the road trip. Um, but more broadly, that's one simple way that Ken and I thought would be useful to present the gospel through the life um, of a Christian. So it was starting as a quick summary. It was starting at stage one, and that was to do with sin and humanity uh, and our problem. Stage two was about Jesus coming to save. Stage three was about our present day decision in response to Jesus. Stage four was about how we want to live our lives moving forward. And stage five is what we look forward to, how we want to end up and what awaits us in the eyes of eternity. Uh, we hope you listeners all found this conversation useful. And in some way, we hope this helps you get a little bit better in following Jesus every day. Because you can't follow Jesus if you can't share his good news. So feel free to have listened to this once, but feel free to listen to it again in the future if you want to be reminded about the gospel. Um, hopefully this gave you some new thoughts, um, a new challenge for you when it came to the good news of Jesus Christ. But that's all Ken and I have for you guys today. 
Um, as you all are aware, this is our second, well, this is really our first episode on the podcast. Uh, we're going to do all we can to keep getting better. If you guys have suggestions, things that you want to um, hear be talked about, um, please come chat with us. We just want to do everything we can in our power to create content and to have conversations that help all of you and ourselves follow Jesus every day. So that's it from Ken and I signing off and we'll see you all on the next episode of the Young Adults Podcast by Grace Church. <laughs>